This is getting better and better. Well, we're excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we, we generally, we like to kick off the podcast by asking our guests, uh, you know, one of a, a few different questions. So um, one of the questions we like to start with, Martin, is uh, what's making you laugh today? Is there something that you find humorous in your life right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah, to be quite honest with you, there's nothing. Well, I suppose, uh, yeah, if you, if you look at the world today, things that, that, that I find very funny is just how easily people get offended. Oh know? my gosh, I'm offended that you said that. I know. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that it actually really makes me laugh. You know, when when I, my wife and I speak a lot about it. When you can do anything, you can say anything, as people get offended. And and the, the reason I laugh about it is because nobody can make somebody get offended. I mean, whatever right. you say, whatever Miles say, you don't you don't offend me. It's I make the choice to be offended or not. Yeah, that's that, a good point. Yeah, that that is that is just how it is. And we laugh. If you, if you ask the question, what do we laugh about? We laugh about that often. I actually, uh, at the company I work with right now, we spoke about that specific point this morning in a meeting I had, and and we laughed about that. So to answer that question, that's something that made me laugh again today. It's just how easily people decided to get offended by whatever it is. Well, it seems like we've got a not only a very short attention span nowadays, I think that our technological advances have created a large or a shorter attention span. But I think we've also been a lot more reactionary too, because our attention span is shortened, we, we become very reactionary. So I think it is easier to get offended quicker in our day and age. Yeah, be, to be chosen to get offended. Yeah, right. To, yeah, yeah, we choose. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's. Are you, Miles, are, you are you offended by that, Miles? No, I, I also know people get people get offended by. Um, it, it's funny if you look at the ratio of the amount of information that comes out and your ability to process it, because you basically get offended when you run out of an argument. Mm, if, you, if you if if you can't go on. And say if you you're, somebody says something that's beyond your knowledge, and you can't agree with it or defend it, you get angry. So you're offended. So yeah. I think it has I think it has a lot to do with the 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 amount of information that's thrown out you and your ability to to um, respond. You know whether it's misinformation or even pertinent information. It's just you get so inundated with it that. You know, you just if when you get to the end, like as Richard Pryor said, he said, he said, and when people get to the, he said, when people get to the end of their room, they just go, well, fuck it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the line of the day right there. And with so, that, folks, we do want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast. Uh, joining me tonight is a man who ran once, our resident intellectual himself in Oberlin, Ohio, is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank you. Glad to be here think... with my man Martin. I told, <laughs> We're I told, excited I told, to have I told, Martin. I told Steve that uh, when you got on, you'd probably be on a treadmill. <laughs> That's what we were expecting. 
<laughs> no. And in the in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today, we've got an amazing man uh, that I think is going to inspire every aspect of your life, uh, Dr. Martin Krauss. Uh, Martin, we're excited to have you. And folks, uh, Martin has an MBA from the University of West London and received his doctorate in business administration and corporate strategy from Washington International University. Martin says that when he was 10 years old, due to a disease in my right hip, I was told that I would not be able to do any sport, especially a contact sport or one where I'd have to put pressure on my hips. Martin grew up in South Africa and at eight years old, he was diagnosed. Now, Martin, I might butcher this. Is it Perth's disease? Uh, Perthes. Perthes disease. All right. Which is a condition in children characterized by a temporary loss of blood supply to the hip. Without adequate blood supply, the rounded head of the femur or the ball of the hip joint dies. Martin continues, I was the first patient to have surgery in our city for Perthes. The surgery uh, was to my right hip where two stainless steel pins were placed. I remained in the hospital for about six months with weights on my right leg to pull my leg and keep it extended and straight. For two years after that, I had irons similar to those of Forrest Gump on my right leg, and I had to wear built-up shoes. Afterward, Martin was bedridden for about six months with a plaster of Paris cast from his torso all the way down to his toes on his right leg. The doctors told me, Martin continues, that I would never be able to do any sports and that I would need to wear a build-up shoe for the rest of, or on my right leg for the rest of my life and that I would need a hip transplant when I reached the age of 40. Martin says, I can still remember the days when I would crawl to our front gate waiting for my brother to come home from school. He would pick me up and help me as I was limping towards our front door of our home. I cannot remember how long it took me before I could walk unaided again, but I can remember that I was very determined to not only start walking again, but to prove to everyone and myself that I will be able to run. These challenges and experiences have made Martin stronger and made him realize that nothing in life is impossible as long as you believe in yourself and your goals. Martin says, I live by this quote by Peter J. Meyer. Whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon, we mu must inevitably come to pass. Uh, as of today, Martin has run over 70 marathons and is also a private international uh, NAASFP and a certified RRCA marathon running coach. Martin is an internationally certified life and business and executive coach and currently is working as the vice president of business development for a medical device manufacturer. Martin's travels have taken him all over the world for both uh, personal and business development in both hemispheres. Martin has coached, consulted, and trained with everyone from new startups to multi-million dollar companies, showing them how to massively grow their business and increase their profits. Martin is also the published author of Mission Possible, Strategies and Competencies for Successful Corporate Turnaround Executives. Martin Krauss, welcome to the Evolve podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, you make me sound good. Yeah, that's an impressive resume, especially considering that we went back to when you were a child. I mean, that is, wow, what an unbelievable story. Ah, 
Thanks. Yeah, it's actually strange because uh, it doesn't actually mean that much to me. Um, I mean, I haven't told that story to many people before because it's, I don't think it's, to me, it's just part of my life. You know, it just happened in my life. There's so many people out there in the world that, that goes through a hundred times more struggles than I've gone in my life. And and I feel more for them. For me, this is just one part of my life that happens when I was a little bit younger. And just because of that, um, I know that it's actually a strange thing because I feel that's probably one of the things that's difficult for me, uh, I can say as a male, is that I feel any pain of other people out there. You know, they struggle. Mm. I mean, a homeless person, anybody out there that struggles, I, I feel their pain. And uh, it's very difficult for me to, to see that in life. So, yeah, it's, it's just something in my life that happened. And, it, and I always look back at it and, and say to myself, well, that's something that I went through in life. And I came through that. And, the, and there's a lot of op op opportunities and struggles and obstacles that come in my way. And... And if I can conquer little things like that that happened in my life, then I can also conquer uh, other bigger opportunities. And that's why I, I love helping people to become more successful in all areas of their life. I mean, even my children, which I have, they are uh, all goal-oriented, goal success-driven uh, kids that's out there. They, they achieve everything they put their mind to is because... I make them realize that everything is possible in life and also make them see the difficulties that other people is going through in life. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what color you are or what uh, religious affiliation you have or, or sexual affiliation you have. Everybody's got different uh, st struggles they're going through in life and everybody's struggle is, is a different hardship for them. So... Yeah, I don't know what else to say to that. Well, I think it, it, you bring up a couple of interesting points. I mean, you, you're talking about that this is just your life and you went through it and it's not a big deal. For somebody like me, hearing what you went through, I, I don't think of that as a small thing. So I think that that perspective is really interesting. But you also are talking about uh, achievement, which I think... For many people who struggle at a certain point earlier in life, whether it's physically or emotionally or whatever, I've seen this pattern where people who struggle earlier in life tend to be people who strive towards goals, but they also, like you, tend to be people who are fairly, um, they have a lot of empathy for other people. Mm. And I noticed that in you and I've noticed that in many others who had early struggles in life that they had to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, know, you definitely. You def I think it. I think if you don't, it's like anything in life. Uh, if you don't understand the the, the person's uh, life story, uh, firstly, you don't. Have, it's not your your. Um, it's, uh, it's not your. Your, I don't know how to put that. I mean, like, like English is not my first language. So sometimes it's difficult for me to put it into words. But it's not your place to judge people. Mm. Um, I can remember when I, when I did my MBA degree and my professor, 
we spoke about um, psychology and understanding people that you that you're going to manage one day as a manager or a leader. And he said that uh, the best way to be a leader is to understand the life story of those that you lead. Mm, yeah. So if, if you understand a person's life story, uh, then you will have more empathy and, and you get to understand a person more and know more what the person's all about. And that, and that, and there's so many people out there in this world today that, that don't take the time to get to know, know people. Um, that's just, it's very life. easy to put our own, our own story or our own paradigm, our own picture onto other people yes. because then we can, we can judge them quicker. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a question. Um, and both of you can chime in with this because I've been playing with this word for a long time because I hear it so much where they say you're not supposed to judge, don't judge. Don't. But is is that really true? I mean, um, a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst gets enough information to make a judgment about a person. Is it the fact that we we judge too fast without a significant amount of information? And we we judge in mostly a negative way. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's because exactly everything what... is ultimately a judgment. Yeah, sure. that, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm I'm saying. Is that uh, you got to understand a person, you got to understand his story before you yeah. decide something about him. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you. You've got to understand that. I mean, you can't so so to speak judge a person if you don't know anything about it. About him, yeah, I think right? it's a suspension of judgment for a period of time until you yeah. learn. We're always judging whatever it is. That, you know, we judge whether or not it's safe to turn on to a road, right? We judge yeah. whether or not um, a person looks good or doesn't look good. Like there's, we're always making judgments. It's inherent to who we are. I think the the key is to hit the pause button until we learn more about that other individual. Right, and that's yeah. where empathy yeah. comes in. Empathy is that right. pause button. For sure, right. Well, Martin, I, I'm excited to have you on tonight, and I know you're an interesting guy, and we're, our listeners are going to get a lot from our conversation today. But I've got to be honest, part of the reason why I brought you on today is just selfish. Um, <laughs> I love your voice, and I wanted to hear your voice. I haven't talked to you in a few months, and so I was like, man, I'm getting Martin on just so I can hear his voice, because you've got the coolest voice. That, well, Steve, uh, told me that he, Steve, Steve told me that he was going to ask you to call him up every night and read him a bedtime story. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Good night, Moon, in Martin Krause's voice. <laughs> it's, actually, it's, actually, it's actually strange because I like your voices. Oh, there you go. That's great. <laughs> well, so we got three great voices on. I, well, let's start with yours. I want to go back to your story a little bit. Um, I didn't. I had no idea that you uh, that they based the movie Forrest Gump off of your childhood. <laughs> so when, when you're out i now if i knew this before when i would see you on the treadmill i would have started yelling run martin run like they did on the movie yeah i, I would have known exactly what you were talking about yeah there you go um so talk about what it felt like martin when you got such devastating news at such a young age i mean that had to do you recall what that um what that experience was like no i don't really do because i mean i was young i was like eight years old somewhere around about there and and 
I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think that I was devastated. Um, um, to me, it was just part of life. It was something that happened to me. And I went to the hospital and the doctors looked at me and said, well, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get an operation and for you're going to lie in bed with weights on your right leg to pull it straight. And, uh, and it's going to take the pain away that I had for quite a few years. And I just thought, well, that's part of, of life. That's just how things happen. I mean, it wasn't that, that bad. I mean, obviously, when after the operation and after the six months in the hospital, and I put those irons on my leg like Forrest Gump type, went to school, and obviously, um, kids look at me strangely and that. And, and uh, I wouldn't say I got bullied or anything like that. I can't say that because, once again, I didn't choose to, to feel like I've been bullied. I think everything mm. in life go according to what you choose. If you choose to, to be upset about something, then you'll be upset about something. If you choose and, and say, well, these people are bullying me, then even if they don't bully you, you'll believe they are bullying you and they're bullying you. I don't know. So I can't say that people really bullied me. Uh, I never went through stages like that in school and just went through two years with those irons on my legs. And, and then after that, the, they took it off and they put plaster of Paris from my torso to my leg, laid in bed for six months. Uh, I remember my mom used to put the bed pan. I don't know if you understand what it is. I don't know if you need to go mm. to the bathroom. I need to yeah. do that every day because I couldn't move. I just lied in bed. And because I think because of those, not I think, but because of those six months lying in bed, not be able to move when I took the plaster of Paris off me, cut it off. Obviously, six months not doing any movement. You can't put any weight on your legs or anything. And uh, I just started to walk. So uh, I know uh, for one year, I didn't go to school. Um, so you want two, three, four, I think it was grade five. In South Africa, we call it standards, standard one, standard two, grade one, grade two, standard one, standard two. So it's grade four mm. or five. I didn't go to school. And, and uh yeah, and just was always determined um, to run and then start running slowly, did cross country, did very well in South Africa, uh, was cross country, was uh, admittedly was a good athlete, I got national colors for long distance running because I couldn't do short distances, I can't run fast. Mm. But national colors for long distance running. At, uh, one Miles can't run fast either, so that's... <laughs> We got, we got a couple of slow. It's slow funny um, when we get a minute, because I'm going to ask you, because uh, I, it, the condition sounds like something that I'm going through right now. But um, I wanted to know if it's, they call, because mine is called a vascular necrosis. Uh -huh. With a, the, ball of the uh, ball of the femur doesn't get adequate blood supply. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of going through that now. So it was really interesting when I heard that. I wanted to know if maybe over time the name changed or there's two different things that are um, gradiently different. Yeah, it could it could be a, it could be the same thing. I mean, the time when I got it, I was extremely young and was in a. Uh, let me see. I'm giving away my age now. It was in the 19, <laughs> 1960s, 1960s, late 60s, early 70s. So that's when they called it Perthes disease. So okay. it could obviously could have changed the names, but it sounds very similar to that. And obviously yeah. technology these days are much better than it was those, those days. 
Yeah, I'd imagine they treat it differently. Well, yeah. Let's go. So, Martin, you were talking about um, you you spent six months in a full cast, basically. Mm. Your torso all the way down to your right leg to your yeah. toes. Yeah. You had to have felt like that somebody was just pulling back on a slingshot so that as soon as you got out of that cast, you just wanted to run. Yeah, I was like, like I don't know, I suppose like putty. I mean, I couldn't couldn't really move. I could only use my arms to move around. Oh, I can imagine. Were, my legs was like, like dragging behind me until I slowly but surely get bit strong, got stronger into that. Yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. So you got into the cross country running yeah. and you, you had some great success with that. Um, what, what was it that motivated you to complete what right now you're, you've done over 70 marathons and I know you've yeah. done other races, not just marathons, Yeah. Uh, but you've done over 70 marathons at this point in your life. So talk about the motivation to do, to run that much. You see, the thing is, I'm an overachiever. That's what my, my family always tell me. I mean, when I got my first degree after high school, uh, I thought to myself, well, that's not enough. I want, to become, I want to get my master's degree. And after I got my master's degree, I said, well, that's not enough. I want to get my PhD degree. And after I got that, there's, uh, there's no other degree I can get. If there was, I would probably would have gone after that as well. <laughs> you can get multiple PhDs, I guess. I actually, do, I actually do have two PhDs. But uh, oh, there you anyway. go. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, what's your What's your second PhD? I don't, uh, I don't want to take a, too much of it. It's an honorary PhD given to me through executive coaching. Oh wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so yeah, I, I started. Uh, I mean, in high school, that cross country, long distance, three thousand meter steeplechase, and five thousand, ten thousand meters. And uh, then after that, I started doing half marathons and then started. So you were doing steeplechase too. So you yeah. were running and jumping. Yeah, but that was in okay. high All school. Right. Wow. High school, yeah. But I couldn't jump. I couldn't jump over the hurdle. I had to jump on top of it and then jump off it. Right. Yeah. Well, most people are that way with the <laughs> steeplechase. I mean, that's, I, I don't know of anybody that would just clear that entire steeplechase. The grownups, the, the, the women and the men do that. Do they really? Okay. They just clear. Well, when I was a kid, none of the kids that were my age when we ran track. I I didn't do steeplechase, but every kid that ran uh, yeah. hopped up on top of that wooden hurdle yes. and then had to jump over from there. Okay, yeah. so you did steeplechase. You yeah. did the three. Yeah, five thousand, ten thousand, five thousand. Yeah, then moving to half marathons and then marathons, and uh, and that's where I'm going to stop. I mean, uh, I I, don't, I know that you can do uh, ultra running as well and and triathlons or stuff like that. But uh, I've got to, my craziness has got to stop somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it hasn't stopped in terms of the volume. I mean, you've done 70. Do you have plans to do more? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, with, with COVID, um, uh, I didn't run much. Uh, I still do about uh, 35 to 40 miles a, a week just to keep myself a little bit fit. Uh, I picked up about uh, eight pounds in, in the COVID. So mm. I'm trying to lose that to get back to my normal running. And then uh, probably by the end of this year, I should be fit enough to, to start running marathons again. But, and just, yeah, I just, I just do it for the fun. I mean, I, I, don't, I know that I'll never win a marathon, but it's just, just for myself, keep myself fit and healthy and, 
and set myself a goal to achieve it. That's one thing I like and set myself goals and achieve it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And really to to have this uh, uh, disease and then to get through that and now have uh, 70 marathons under your belt. Obviously, you overcame some odds doing this um, and you coach people. Uh, you know, relative to overcoming odds. So talk a little bit about overcoming the odds and, you know, what did it take for you, but also what are you doing to coach people to overcome the odds? Well, it takes a lot of belief. Uh, you've got to believe in yourself and, 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 and any, when it comes to physical activity, running, I believe it's a mental game. It's totally a mental game. Uh, when it comes to achieving success in life or in your work, uh, it's it's more of of believing and 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 be committed to what you want to do. There's this in my in my office. There's a saying uh, that I always look at every day. It says, "What are you doing right now that you should not be doing?" Mm. And then, "What are you not doing that you should be doing?" So, if you have a specific goal in life, whether it is to become a successful manager, a successful leader, a successful uh, public speaker, or a successful running, a successful marathon runner, ask yourself the question: What are you doing right now that you should not that you're not doing to achieve that specific goal? And then, what are you not doing that you should be doing to achieve that goal? Yeah, I love that. We we used to use a uh, saying similar when I would teach leadership uh, and coach other leaders that what do you need to do more of? What do you need to do less of? Mm. And what do you need to do different? Mm. Yeah. And sometimes the different is that you've identified a belief that's a limiting belief. And so you've got to do something different. You have to um, sunset that old belief and then start a new one. What, what are some of the common mental obstacles that you see when you're coaching people, Martin? Well, it's just, just belief. It's just a belief they can't do it. They don't, they don't believe in themselves. They, they, I see a lot of people say that, well, they couldn't do it in the past and they can't, they can't do it now. Let me, tell you, let me tell you this short story. There was, there was uh, two monks uh, and there was the, the more senior monk and then a, a junior monk that the senior monk trained. And they were, they were walking uh, in a pathway uh, on the way to the monastery. And this specific monks had a belief that they're not allowed to talk to specifically women. That's mm. uh, just a no-no for this belief group. So as they came closer to a river, they had to pass the river and and there was a woman at the river. The river wasn't that that deep, but they could walk to the river. But there's a woman at the river, and she was in very nice uh, apparel, nice clothes, and and everything. And she looked at the monks uh, coming closer to her, and she said to them, "Could you please help me across across this river?" And of course, the younger monk totally looked away, and and the older monk just looked down and. And they're still walking to get closer to the place where they need to cross the, the river. And the lady said to them again, please help me uh, get across the river. I need to get across the river. So the old monk just picked her up, put her on his shoulders, and then walked across the river and put her down on the other side. And uh, for the next mile or so, 
the younger monk continued to scorch this older monk and tell him how bad he, he is. He looked at the woman, he picked her up, he put her on her shoulder, he touched her. And uh, he continued to go on and on and on about just uh, bad things the older monk went, did. And he said that when he gets to the monastery, he's going to just tell them how bad it is. Uh, and so the old monk just later on just stopped and he turned around and he, and he looked at the younger monk and he said to him, do you know what, brother? He says, I have dropped the lady two miles ago off. You still carrying her with you. <laughs> oh, what a great story. Yeah, so basically, that's what, oh, that's, I what, love that. that's what happened to people is that they still, <laughs> they're still carrying the past on their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Forget about what happened to you in the past. I mean, just forget about it. This, the past is gone. You can't change it. You've got today and you've got tomorrow. So if you just decide on that, believe, okay, today you're going to train, change your life for tomorrow. And the only way you can change life today for tomorrow is by taking action towards what you want to achieve tomorrow, today. So let me ask, because as a coach, you, you know that it's such a tool, but it seems like when you run up against somebody that has that as a, as, as a block, as an obstacle, you know, I know you just can't say that to them. And then all of a sudden it's an aha moment. No. There's, there's some, some, almost some excavating you have to do. How do you, how do you do the excavating to get people to realize, hey, you've been carrying this for a long time. And how do you make them see it so they can have an aha moment and go, oh, let me proceed from here? Well, it's just taking it step by step because it all depends. Mm. I mean, if it's, if it's coaching for running, uh, then it's much easier to do. But if it's coaching for achieving life goals or, or just to become better and more successful in your life areas, if it's in the, your relationships or if it's at work, uh, you take it step by step. You, uh, of course, as a as a as a coach, it all depends. You you can you can get together once a week and get together once every second second week or once a month. But in that sessions, that one hour sessions with that person, you always go back to the previous uh, commitment which you've done, uh, and and just take it step by step from there. And as soon as you when you, you just you you should get the you should get the the peer person you like, you want to achieve, help achieve their goals, got to get them to realize that if you don't like your results, don't like your results, then you have to look at your daily actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, because the daily actions are what bring the results. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I always say, so Martin, I, always, when I always say to people, if, if at, if at first you don't succeed, do what your coach told. Do what your coach told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So when you when you're working with people, that's and the t-shirt. Someone is. Yeah, I like that. That is true. That's that, a t-shirt. That's that's the t-shirt. You don't succeed. Do what your coach this told is, you. So <laughs> that is so great. So Martin, when when somebody is stuck with an old belief, how do you disrupt their thinking and to spark some new growth? What do you do to shake them out of that old belief? Yeah, that is actually really, it's, it's really difficult. You've got to make them see that they, the future, what they want to achieve in the future is going to be a benefit to them. Uh, and mm. to me, it's, it's very important to get to 
Well, if, we, if we're talking now about success coaching and not running, to okay. me, it's very yep. important to get, to get them linked emotionally to what they want to achieve. So it's linked to be, the future. Yeah, there's got to be emotional okay. link to that. If there's not an emotional link to that, uh, then it's, very, it's going to be very difficult to change a person's mindset to, to change. And I like to always ask the question, why? I'm going to say, why, why do you want to achieve this specific goal? And then say, what for this reason? Then why for this reason? For, for this reason? And you go, I'll continue to ask that question, why, why, why? Until I get to, to the point where that person gets answer that last why with an emotion. That actually, mm. that actually make him, you can see he's, he's nearly choking because that yeah. is the yeah. real why he wants to achieve it. If you want to, uh, if, you, if your goal is to, how can I say, uh, well, he wants to be like the Smiths or the Joneses, to put it like mm-hmm. this, talk about the Joneses. So why? Well, he sees his friend has got this nice boat that he goes to with his family every day. So why do you want a nice boat to go with family? And he continued to ask that why, why, why? And in the end, I've seen is that that why is actually that he wants to have in his family, he wants to have, he wants to have more respect. He wants to have more love from his children. He wants to have more love from his wife. Uh, that is where the emotion will come. That's actually really why he wants a boat. Not because he wants a boat, because the Jones has got a boat, but because his real emotional connection is to get that appreciation and that respect and adornment from his kids and his family and his wife. That's actually it. And as soon as you get a person that specific emotional connection to his goal, whatever a goal might be, he, he gets decided. Then he you can actually work with that person towards his or her goal. Well, that's the I like way that how you're I, talking about that. Yeah, that's the way that I find it anyway. Yeah, so it's not it, it's not just about linking it to the to the future, but no. it's about peeling the onion layer back by asking yes. why, why, why. Because exactly. it, we all have desires and we get inspiration from other people. You know, we talk about that. I like how you referenced the you know keeping up with the Joneses idea, and. Yeah. Far too often, people will look and say, well, I want to do this because so-and-so is doing it and it looks fun. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with having a desire. There's nothing wrong with having some sort of comparative, okay, I see them doing this now and I don't think I have that in my life. But what's wrong is they don't take that further, like you're talking about, and go deeper and say, why, 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 Mm -hmm. until we get to the real emotion. Yes. People don't want more money. They don't want a bigger house. Mm-hmm. They don't want a, a nice fancy boat. They don't want the uh, super expensive car. They want a feeling or an emotion that comes with what that represents. Yeah. I want a boat and a car. I'm, you know, it, <laughs> back off. Back off. I want a car, a car. I want a Lamborghini. I want a boat. Leave me alone. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm right, not saying people don't want those things. I mean, no, I I, there I are some things that I want. Yes, but a lot of the times, it's there. There's an emotion or there's a feeling that that's tied to it. And if you're tying that to the future, and you're saying, okay, now here's the emotion. Start to project that emotion forward. It makes it a lot easier for people to uh, to achieve that success. Mm. 
So talk about, Martin, uh, one of the things that you do or have done uh, as a business coach is turnaround situations. Mm -hmm. Now, in turnaround situations, I mean, those can be really tricky because you've got to go in and you're going into a business or a turnaround situation because there is something wrong or because there are multiple things that are wrong. So I I remember I I spent some time in that space in business where I would go do turnarounds and when you go in there, there, it's almost like there's animosity to the towards the coach that's coming in initially because people don't want to recognize that there's a problem or that there's multiple problems. Mm-hmm. So you go into that situation and it's a very similar state, I believe, to when people, when their lives are falling apart, they don't have success and they need to go into a turnaround situation. Right. So how do you, where do you start when you're going into a turnaround situation? What's the beginning for you look like? Well, I always, well, if it comes to a company, I always evaluate the company where they are right now, how do they get there, uh, where they're planning to go and what's going to take them there. And uh, when you talk to the, the people that needs to take the company and turn it around and make it more successful, uh, then you have to look at, at what needs to be achieved to make the company, to turn the company around, and then just basically get those people to, to buy in to making that happen. A lot, of mm-hmm. the, a lot of the animosity or fear that comes around when turnarounds is because people think they're going to lose their jobs. Sure, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, well, sometimes it doesn't have to be. I mean, uh, I, like, I like the idea that, a lot of people want to employ if something doesn't succeed or somebody doesn't succeed in a company or the manager or the leader think that person doesn't succeed in the company. The first thing that most of the people want to do is to replace that person. Yeah. It's pretty common. Yeah. Instead of coaching that person to become successful, why not coach that, that person to become successful first? And if that coaching doesn't help, then obviously you can look at other opportunities. But mostly what I've found in, in companies, that's, and, and usually the turnaround companies that I've been working with before at smaller companies, I, I must admit it's not big, enormous, multi-million dollar companies. It's a smaller uh, companies. And mostly what I have found is that those employees uh, did not really know what was the expectations from them in the job they were doing. Yeah. Uh, because the manager wow. wasn't, they had, didn't have the leadership potential to help the people that, that he that reports to him or that he's responsible for to help them to become successful. I mean, if you if you want to become successful as a leader in a company, you've got to make the people surround yourself with successful people, and those successful people are the people that work for you. The more success mm-hmm. you, successful you make them, the more successful you will become. And that's that's what I've seen a lot of of companies does not do. Yeah, there's a that's lot to unpack. I, there. I remember yeah. um, I remember this story. It's interesting you said earlier how sometimes people will go in and want to fire people. Hmm. And I remember the story of uh, Pat Riley when he was coaching the Lakers. Um, the Lakers were kind of struggling, and what he did is he went in and he looked at everybody's weakness and he asks he asked for 
small percentages of it, um, being more productive with your weakness. So if, if a guy shot 70% uh, from the free throw line, he would ask the guy, let's work on it so we could get you to 73. And he took everybody's different weakness and he asked for these improvements and the aggregate made them already a better team. Yeah. So he went in and looking what he could improve. And I just thought that was, he didn't go in screaming, like, we're going to trade you. We're going to do this. We're just, we're asking you for incremental change. Yeah. Yeah, Miles, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly just that. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great point. I like how you said that the first thing that you do, Martin, is you you look at the history and you say, here's what the company is. Here's where they came from. How did they get into this situation? And then where are they going? Mm. Is that aligned with where they want to be? And really where we are right now in business, in life, in health, in fitness, we made those decisions six months ago. We yeah. made those decisions two years ago. You know, the house that you live in, the money that you have in the bank, the money that you have invested, you made those decisions three to five years ago, maybe 10 mm. years ago. The mm. body that you have right now, you made the decision six months to 12 months ago to yeah. get the body that you had. So I like how you're talking about that you go in and you look at who is the company and then where, where are they at relative mm. to where they want to be. But then you also, you kind of jumped forward and you're talking about that you've got to get this buy-in from people. And mm -hmm. oftentimes it comes down to the leader has not clearly communicated what the crystal clear expectation is. Yeah, And that is so, so prevalent in life, in business. I think that most people, when their lives are falling apart and you say, well, what do you want? They have a hard time answering that question. Yes, for sure. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And, and I saw that in business too. I remember talking to a business leader at one point and he was lamenting about the problems that he had. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you want? He goes, well, I don't want to be in this situation. I said, but that's not really what you want. You don't want to just get out of the hot water that you're in. What do you really want? And he looked at me and he said, Steve, I want to be the best in the company. And I said, what does that mean? And so he, he mapped it out for me. He said, at one point, I want my business unit to be the best in the company. And I said, now you know what you want. So go out there and make it happen. And about a year later, he sent me an email and called me and said, hey, I just wanted to show this to you. We're number one in the company and this scorecard. And I mm -hmm. achieved exactly what I wanted. And that was all it took. We didn't have any conversations of how do I get there? What do I do from there? It was literally one conversation of helping him to understand what he wanted. And then he spent the next year creating it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I used the same strategy for when I coach, coach runners as well. What did you do before? What are you doing now? What do you want to achieve? It's basically doing a SWOT analysis and everything in life. Even if you if you want to improve your marriage, I mean, do a SWOT analysis of your marriage. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the SWOT analysis. So break break that I down for our listeners who may have never heard of the SWOT before. <laughs> That's actually strange. I'm uh, I'll be I actually feel surprised that there might be somebody that never heard about it. I mean, if I do a SWOT analysis on a company or a person, and I look at at for instance, the SWOT, SWOT, I look at the strengths, the S stands for strengths. Yep. I look at the strengths of the company. 
uh, the strength of the person, the strengths of, of a runner. I look at the W, look at the weaknesses of the company, mm -hmm. weaknesses of the person, the weaknesses of the runner, whatever it might be, the opportunities that, that they might have, and then the threats. So strengths, weakness, opportunity, and threats. You just look at that in every aspect of your life. And then obviously your strength is good because there's always opportunities to improve your strength. But I always focus then on uh, opportunities, uh, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and see how we together can, can overcome the weaknesses, uh, look at the opportunities that there is to grow, and then look at the threats that influences uh, you achieving your goal. That's in a short. I mean, there's a lot of goes with the SWOT analysis, but that's just a short explanation the way I see it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can use that, like you were talking about, in any aspect of life. Let's say that your relationship isn't where you want it to be. You can sit down and say, okay, in my relationship or in our relationship, mm -hmm. where are the strengths? What do we do really well? Yeah. And I think the benefit of looking at the strengths is you're recognizing, and if you write it down, you're truly memorializing mm -hmm. that strength. You're saying, you know what? We're really good at laughing together. So let's yeah. do more of that. Uh, where's our weakness? Well, we're really passionate and we tend to explode at each other, right? That's yeah. our weakness. Yeah. So then if we do that, um, what's our opportunity? Well, our opportunity could be that we need to get on the same page more often so that we're not fighting. And the threat is that if we continue on this path of the explosion and the fighting, then that could lead to divorce or separation, yeah. whatever type of relationship you're in, right? Yeah. How powerful that is in any aspect of life. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you do that with your running clients and the coaching that you do from an executive standpoint. Um, what are some changes that you see in people once you've done this SWOT analysis with them? Uh, well, as soon as I start recognizing that this is tools, um, I don't really tell them I'm going to do a SWOT analysis on you. I just say, well, mm -hmm. let's, let's look a little bit on the strengths that you have. I mean, we work on the strengths. Let's look at the weaknesses of, of this specific um, uh, issue that you have, opportunities, and then the threats. Uh, and then as soon as people see and, and analyze themselves, you can actually see the I wouldn't say a light bulb goes on, but you can actually see that the countenance, if you can put it like that, changes. Yeah, uh, yeah. That they, you know, that they know. Well, this is something that that we can work on and something that we can do. Yeah, it's amazing. I I love how you use that word countenance because it really does change. Yeah, people's faces brighten up, their posture yeah. changes as soon as they can see. Oh, you know what? This weakness, this threat, this opportunity—that's mm -hmm. something that I can overcome, or mm -hmm. I can achieve my goal if I overcome these things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. It's almost like it's almost like seeing the path forward. Yes, right. You know, a lot of times you can't see it. You can't see it, and it takes sometimes a professional to come in and lay this map out and, and, and all of a sudden you look at it and go, yeah. that's achievable. That's doable. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes the uh, seemingly insurmountable odds in our life are really not that as soon as we do an analysis <laughs> and we say, oh, okay, well, that's not really as big of a problem as I thought it was. Yeah. Now, Martin, in, in whether it's in life or in business, 
when you're doing a turnaround situation, when you're, when someone is trying to improve and life or the business has gotten extremely negative, falling apart in chaos, how do you help people to pick up those pieces of the chaos to move forward? Yeah, that's, that's actually very difficult to answer. There's no easy answer to that. Uh, to me, it's just always to get the people to recognize that they can, they can turn themselves around, they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. Uh, the reason why, why I think, or the reason why I get people that think, well, everything is lost now, all the pieces, you can't pick up the pieces, is because they believe they can't do that. But as soon as you yeah. help them realize that you can do it. I mean, this is something that happens in your life. It's not the end of your life. I mean, there's nothing to, to get upset about. It's just something that happens in your life. You, you're here on earth to grow and to become better. And, and uh, let's, start, let's start a new venture. And let's see how we can together help you uh, go on a new road to become more successful or whatever you want to achieve. Um, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. So it, it all depends on, on the people. Some, some people just can't easily get over failure and some it's much easier to get over failure. And those that's difficult to get over failure just have to continue to get them realize again that they are definitely much more worth than they think they really are. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's maybe, a great point. I remember, um, I think it was Nietzsche who said that we seek a life of ease and comfort. Mm. Even, even when the situation is bad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, we rest in the comfort because change requires a certain amount of effort, suffering, and energy. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. if we like that comfort all the time, we're not going to be able to take those steps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It takes a significant amount of discomfort uh, to change. Yeah. And Martin, you're talking about a concept that um, uh, Carol DeWick talks about in her book, Mindset, when she talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. I think people who have a fixed mindset, they identify with an idea. Mm. I am this or I can't do that. Whereas yeah. people that have that growth mindset Look at it in much the same way that you're talking about. This is not my life. This is not the devastation of my life. Sure, I had some failure here, but through work and effort, I can overcome that. Yeah. And I can, you know, create something different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So talk about Martin. So when you've helped someone to see that their goals are achievable, what happens? What happens to the person? Yeah, yeah. What changes in them? I know you mentioned before that their countenance changes, yeah. but what are some things that you see as soon as that light goes on or that that switch is flipped and they see they start to believe that they can achieve the goal? I see those that I've seen, they it's actually strange to say this, but they become nicer. You know? they just oh, become, interesting perspective. Okay. Yeah, so tell nicer. me more about that. Yeah, they just become nicer per nicer people nicer person they're more friendlier to to uh, people around them they're not that grumpy anymore to mm. friends or to partners or whatever the case might be that's what i have have seen because usually when you're in a situation where you're struggling to pick up pieces you you it's nearly like like you're in a depressed state you know mm. you're not very happy mm. very grumpy 
uh, everybody around you irritates you, you think you're a failure, uh, but as soon as, as that turns around, you become a more happier person and everybody around you uh, wants to be more around you. I mean, you can, you can think for yourself, if you don't want to be around people that's grumpy and, and irritated all the time. Yeah, what a great perspective that as soon as you start to see a path out or you stop putting so much pressure on yourself that somehow your failures are these grandiose failures, you're, you're not focusing on yourself anymore. You start to see other people. And like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you now have empathy and kindness because mm-hmm. you're not focused on yourself. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. It's wow. a spiritual change. It's a, it it just... It really is. It's now yeah. just um, that's what I'm hearing when he said that. It sounds like a spiritual change. It's it's you've been walking around with this boulder on you, not really recognizing that you have a boulder, mm. and then all of a sudden that boulder cracks and falls off of you, and you realize, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm happier. That's a spiritual change. Yeah. Yeah. You feel more. Yeah. Free. Right. A, a paradigm shift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anger and, and uh, poor treatment towards others often is just pain within us that we have not resolved. So yeah. what a great perspective. Yeah. Well, Martin, um, we're coming up to the tail end of our podcast, but I'd like to run through just a rapid fire question set that we like to ask our question or our uh, guests. So I'm going to ask a question and within one word or one sentence, I'd love to hear what your answer is on these. Does that sound good? Yeah. Wait, before he goes, I just want you to know, Martin, that the executive's of the round table denied my application. That's just thought you should know. <laughs> you are not going to be the new Sir Lancelot. Yeah. They asked me if I could, if they asked me if I could name the 12 knights of the round table and all I could get was Galahad. <laughs> this is a time when we just look at you and say, run miles, run. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark. Right, so here we go fire. with our rapid fire questions. So let's well, talk. I hope I can think fast enough. Uh, well, if you don't, we have a big buzzer that goes off and it shocks oh. you. We didn't, we didn't tell you this, but you're oh, sitting okay. on a shocker. Um, okay. So let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life to spark new growth? How do I disrupt my life to spark new growth? And you can't ask the question back so you can get more time. <laughs> I'm just using a political way of answering questions. There you go. Yeah. Talk, Forrest. Talk. <laughs> uh, we'll just do something that I've never done before. Yeah. Challenge. Okay. Anything like that's that a challenge for me. So, so do something new. That's great. Uh, how have you evolved over the years? Um, how have I evolved? Gee, that's difficult well i just believe that everything i do uh helps me to become wiser all the all the all the um difficult times ago in life just see it as a something that makes me become more wiser and prepare me more for the future that lies ahead beautiful as you've evolved what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do well i used to believe that nobody really likes me and now, believe, oh, yeah, what a it, sad belief. <laughs> yeah, I know that, that was a sad belief in the beginning when I was still younger, uh, because I, yeah, because I was so much involved with with doing achieving my own goals, I didn't really uh, think that time of helping people. But now, because I'm in a, in a place where I, where my passion is helping people to become more successful, that's what made me change. 
That's great. Well, we like you, so we're <laughs> we're blowing that belief away. Um, as much as I used to speak to you at the gym, I liked you. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> an old belief. Just remember that. Yeah. Old Very no, old right. belief. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We love that. Uh, last question, Martin. Are there habits, routines, or rituals that you use to continually progress in life? Yes. Yeah. One thing I do every night is uh, I, I usually take a few minutes and prepare my day tomorrow that lies ahead. I like, to okay. plan, I like to plan ahead. So I know tomorrow morning when I wake up at six o'clock, this is exactly what I'm doing. This is when I'm going to uh, shower. This is when I go and have breakfast. Uh, this is the time I'm going to work. Uh, when I get off work, this is what I'm going to go run. Everything is planned exactly. I look at my diary for the day at work, what I'm going to do, the meetings I'm going to attend. And I prepare myself for that. I know exactly what I'm going to do. If I don't do that, then I'm a little bit lost the day that, that lies ahead tomorrow. But if I do that at the end of the day tomorrow, when I, uh, when I go to sleep, I put my head on a, on a pillow. I know that I achieved all my goals. I set myself the day before for that day. Great way to do it. I love that answer. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, Martin Krause, for joining us and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. So, Martin, if people want to get more information, maybe they want to get some coaching from you, what's the best way for people to contact you? Well, they can just email me uh, at martin at martinkraus.com. Great. Yeah, martin is and, M-A-R-T-I, and then Martin Kraus is M-A-R-T-I-N-C-R-O-U-S.com. All right. And they can find you. Where's your, uh, the website? martinkraus.com. That's very simple. People can't yeah. remember that. They shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, well, thanks for thanks for joining us today. And hey, folks, don't wait. Go smash the stars on uh, or the ratings on whatever app you're listening to the Evolve Podcast on. Your great ratings help us to book even more amazing guests like Martin to the Evolve Podcast. But Miles, what's new at Evolve today? Well, you know what? I'm going to keep it short and simple. Folks, go get a mug. That's right. Go get an Evolve coffee mug. When you put your coffee in that mug, it changes the coffee. If you're drinking crappy coffee, the coffee becomes much better. So get a mug, drink some coffee, hang out with that Evolve mug and Evolve. Listen to the podcast while you're drinking from your Evolve mug. Thanks, Miles. That's right. That's great. Remember, folks, it takes time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. Just like Martin, you are fantastic. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. <laughs>